Columbus, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Helms. It's the show where we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. We have a lot we got to talk about today. The Patriots defeated the Packers over the weekend. Got some thoughts I want to give on that. Also, playing the Titans, which I have less thoughts on, but still want to touch on. Josh McDaniels having his name thrown around in coaching circles. Yet again, I want to touch on that. Some Celtics thoughts. I got a, a little bit of a Celtics not hot takes, we don't do hot takes here, but some Celtics thoughts, some Celtics takes I want to get to. And at 4.30, we're going to be getting joined by Kenny Doyle of GuyBostonSports.com. He's going to be coming on the show to talk about the Red Sox and their offseason over the next couple of years. So we're excited to be joined by him. Also, this is a special episode. This episode is a part of the 24-hour WXIN Radiothon. We're trying to raise money for Project Safe Pet, an organization out of the South that aims to significantly reduce the problem of pet overpopulation. They relocate animals, they space strays, and they try to find these animals' homes. So if you would like to donate to that, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-8787 or at 401-456-9946 or go on their website at www.projectsafepet.org and make a donation today. Anyway, with all that out of the way, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And we're going to dive right in. So hello, everybody. No Mike Kane Memorial live stream today. We're streaming on the Radiothon YouTube stream. And we have a lot to talk about. And the Patriots, starting with that, because I do want to open with that. The Patriots, on Sunday, obviously, on Sunday Night Football, which... A good Sunday night football game. Always happy to see one of those. An actual good matchup on Sunday night football. The Patriots defeated the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers in Gillette, 31-17. to And what are the takeaways? Obviously last week, bad game for the team. I think last week was bad for the team overall. I do. Against the Bills, 25-6. And the Patriots, I mean, they dominated them. 25, they didn't dominate them, but the offense didn't really show up. And the defense played well. They played really well. Obviously, they only let up six points. They had a touchdown in there. But it's against Derek Anderson. So I can only get so jazzed up about beating Derek Anderson and the Buffalo Bills. So to focus on the offense. And then this week, the offense went up against the Packers, and they put up 31 points. Brady passed for 294 yards, one touchdown. Edelman passed for 37 yards. And they did a lot of things. They did a lot of things. But coming away from this win, what does it say about the Patriots? I have a hard time being super excited about this win. Like getting really, really excited, really, really jazzed up about it because... This Packers team here, this is not, you know, this is not your, you know, your Packers team of the last couple of years. I mean, besides last year, but this is not a juggernaut of a team at all. And I want to get into my thoughts on, you know, the Packers organization in general in just a few minutes because I love talking about that. But just stay on the Patriots for at least a little while. This is not a dominant, dominant Packers team. This is still a good team. 
this is a team that should be doing better than it is, but never, nevertheless, this is still a 3-4-1 team right now. This is a team that really honestly might not make the playoffs, which is mind-blowing for a team that has Aaron Rodgers. Once again, once again, we're going to reserve my Vitterol about the Packers for just a few minutes. We're going to reserve it. I'm going to try to keep it bottled up. But, yeah, you're dealing with a team. Not a team. But nevertheless, the Patriots were able to go and keep Aaron Rodgers with decent weapons in Devontae Adams, in whatever the hell his name is, Marquez Valds Scantling. You know, Jimmy Graham had a decent game, even though this is far from Jimmy Graham of old. But still, this is, they were able to keep a decent offense, a good offense led by a phenomenal quarterback. A phenomenal quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Two, 17 points. And that's good. That's good. Like, that obviously, like, you know, I didn't really want to buy in too much on the defense last week because they stopped, you know, nothing. They stopped, you know, Derek Anderson, you know, suggesting that maybe they should move the ball downfield. So no, no great team. But it's fine. If you give me two good defensive performances in a row... If I was skeptical about one of them, and then the next week you have a good one that I think is a very good one, fine. I'm, w- I'm willing to package them together and say, now you've had two good weeks of defense. Defense, which maybe some people will disagree with, but I'm willing to buy into the Bills game being a reflection of the defense improving more now than I did last week. So, yeah. The defense played very well overall. Now, there are obviously concerns with the defense. I want to get into them. But, yeah, like the defense now has had two very good weeks in a row. Devin McCourty has really played great the last couple of weeks, I feel like. I mean, obviously, he had to pick six last week. He played well this week. Devin McCourty's kind of coming back on. He's kind of – I feel like Devin McCourty's maybe faded last – you know, maybe over the last year or so from being a guy who I thought was legitimately maybe one of the best safeties in the league. I've cooled off my Devin McCourty love in the last couple of years. So, Devin McCourty. Good game from him. You know, another great game from Trey Flowers all over the place. I, in spurts, noticed, in spurts, I noticed, I noticed Adrian Claiborne, which, you know, exciting stuff. I saw that he was there. You know, J.C. Jackson still kind of blows, but it's fine. But it's fine. And Adam Butler, even Adam Butler had an amazing pursuit. I was watching the game with Jordan Moment, who's not here with me today, sadly. But I was watching the game with Jordan Moment, and God, he was, there was one play, I don't remember what it was, in the second or third quarter, where Aaron Rodgers just took off, and he just pursued him perfectly, pursued the angle perfectly, and Jordan Moment wanted to, you know, he was uh, getting, a little, getting a little excited there. Getting a little excited there over that, but I think he played well. The D-line didn't play great. I think the interior of the line, the Packers were able to run the ball very well in this game, and then they stopped doing it for some reason. And I'll get into, you know, that, but Aaron Jones was able to get 75 yards on 14 carries, 5.4 a carry, you know, Jamal Williams, 4.9 a carry. Like, mm, not a banner game on the for, like, you know, not a banner game for Malcolm Brown or Lawrence Guy, who had a sack, but not a sack, who had a – who forced a fumble, but nevertheless did not play great in this game. So – you know, little nitpicky things. The, mid- the middle of the defense was not good. You know. Hightower didn't do much in this game at all. Sadly. I don't rem- never noticed Hightower. Hightower 
not great in this game. So Hightower kind of taking a step back after the last couple of weeks, kind of starting to emerge again. So Hightower still, mm, you're not getting a ton out of him. So linebacker and core overall still suspect, but still, like, the defense overall was okay. The defense was good. The defense was good in this game. Now, I think the Packers, part of that comes from some things the Packers have done and things that the Packers were doing poorly, but nevertheless, the Patriots stopped it. They did stop this Packers team, which is impressive, and I give them credit for it. Now... That being said, and even then, like, Rodgers made some plays. Rodgers had some runs, et cetera, et cetera, but it's not infuriating. Like, to me, those plays, those runs, those moments weren't infuriating because, A, they weren't doing a ton. They weren't doing it a ton. And, B, it's Aaron Rodgers. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay if you get to the half and you've only given up 10 points to Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to feel okay. The dude is going to make plays. Like, I know that's not, you know, I'm not coming in here with, with straight fire right now. I'm not coming in here, you know, spitting straight flames into the mic. Like, Aaron Rodgers is good! Obviously. <laughs> but still, like, overall, like, it came in and it's good. Like the t I, I know I keep saying it, but to move on then. Now, to move to the flip side, though. On the Patriots' offense. I don't know if I still haven't left this game feeling immaculate about the Patriots' offense. Now, the Patriots were able to come on very strong at the end. It was a tied game until the fourth quarter, and then... Because of a fumble by Aaron Jones, the Patriots were able to take the ball, go downfield, do good, go downfield again, and then boom, like game was out of reach. But the Patriots were going against a Packers defense that was selling off parts of the deadline, selling off Haha Clinton Dix. You know, they're a defense that sold. The Patriots offense, and once again, even though they put up 31 points, fully on offense this time, so this wasn't, they didn't put up 18 points, but last week against the Bills, offense didn't look great. This year against the Bills, this year, this, this year, this week against the Packers, the offense didn't produce consistently. The, the first drive, amazing. Oh my God, they came out in that first drive and they just went to town. Oh, it was beautiful watching. They came out, drive one, went hurry up through like, God, went, had like three seconds between each play. It was amazing. Never seen anything like it. Loved it. Well, we keep doing that. And then after that, they didn't score one more. That was the last time I scored in the first quarter. And then from there on out, I don't know. Like, it was just drive after drive that was spluttering and stopping. And then you know, they put up some points and go a couple more drives and not really do anything. Brady had, what, a stretch of seven incompletions in there? Like, Brady had a stretch of, yeah, like seven incompletions, I think it was, which I believe they said was a record for him for consecutive incomplete passes, which, not great. Obviously not great. And then they, in the second half, they kind of started resorting to 
some trick plays. You had the Edelman double pass. You had, you know, the double pass back to Brady to Josh Gordon. You had a flea flicker in there. You had the Patriots trying to... And actually, no, they didn't do a direct snap, but they were throwing some trick plays in there. And on one hand, I love trick plays. I truly, truly, truly adore trick plays. Trick plays are the best. I love them. I wish Madden would add trick plays. In fact, Madden doesn't have trick plays. It's a travesty. It's an absolute travesty. But... But also, it felt like the trick plays were not the only thing that worked, but it does feel like when you look at it afterwards, it felt like, you know, they went splutter, 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 couldn't get much going against a not-so-great Packers defense. When, you know, they had a lot of possessions in this game. I don't know what the time of possession was, but I'll try to find that in a little bit, but... Going against a Packers defense that they couldn't get much done against, and then it felt like then they had to go to the trick plays. It felt like the trick plays were what they needed to get them going. And I don't know. It kind of feels like by this point in the year, mm, that maybe they shouldn't. The Patriots had 27 minutes of possession. Actually, the Packers had the ball longer. They held the ball longer, but whatever. It feels like at this point in the year, the Patriots should be further along than they are. And that if they have to go to the trick plays, just, I don't know. It felt like that was because they couldn't get much going. And they didn't have Gronk. They didn't have... Sony Michelle, which I think is far less of a loss than Gronk, but I barely even consider it a loss, but they didn't have Gronk. You know, the lessened version of Gronk we've gotten this year. But still Gronk. They it's they had to go to the flute flickers. They had to go to the double passes, which was again fun fun, but mm, what does that say? What does it say that they can't what does it say about the offense? What does it say about Brady right now that they can't line up against Packers defense just traded one of their better safeties. Haven't done a lot. Gave up, you know, you know, the Packers defense that gave up what? 30 to the 49ers, 31 to the Lions, you know, 31 to the Redskins. Like a Packers defense that once again has not been great, has given up similar productions to far lesser teams, at least far lesser offenses that the Patriots should be better than if they want to compete. Still feels like it's not all together. And maybe Gronk comes back, maybe Michelle comes back, and then, you know, oh, boom, bada-bing, bada-boom. You know, they get it back together. They everything starts clicking, like they get they start clicking back with Edelman, and then it's all good. But right now, they still feel out of sync. Tom Brady still doesn't feel like he's playing as well as he has in years past. It, he he doesn't. And like I said last week, we're at week nine now. Like, I'm going to... I feel that I can start drawing conclusions from things. And mind you, yeah, the Patriots are 7-2. and two. Like, they're fine. Like, they're doing... I'm not saying the sky is falling on the Patriots or that Tom Brady's done. But like I said last week, like, 
don't know. Brady hasn't, obviously he's impressed me. He's played as good as anybody, but I don't know. Like He's mixed in these types of moments, these types of stretches where he doesn't look like Tom Brady. And those are becoming more frequent. You know, he's had throws now that are, he's thrown picks. He's had throws that haven't looked like Tom Brady throws. And then he's gone right back and played like himself. But then, you know, yeah, then he has a seven incompletion streak in the middle of a game. And then he goes right back to being Tom Brady. But it's just, I don't know, like there are cracks that are showing every now and then, which should be happening for a 41-year-old. Oh, my God. Like, if this is what you're getting at 41, good. My God, good. Take it. But still, you should acknowledge it. It still feels like Brady isn't playing the same. And I don't know. You know, what is there to say about that? That Brady hasn't felt the same, and they had to, you know, they had to go to Flea Flickers and all that to beat this Packers defense. Or they had to <laughs> hand the ball off to Cordell Patterson for a point, which I railed against the idea of Cordell Patterson being a running back last week because it's stupid. I still kind of think it's stupid, but it worked to a certain degree. It worked on at least, it worked on one drive. I think after that, it kind of tapered off. People don't want to remember that, which is fair because, you know, it worked for the one drive. It worked when it worked. Like, he was able to get a bunch of carries and basically carry them down the field because the Packers, you know, they lost all their linebackers seemingly in this game. They had nobody on the inside. They felt like at that point, like, oh, yeah, now the Patriots can just, you know, go all the way down the field. Like, you know, they had that one guy get, get ejected. Blake Martinez got hurt. I don't know if he came back. I think he came back, but... It felt, oh, they have nobody inside. They can just run it. And they're choosing to do that with Cordell Patterson because they don't have a running back on this roster that they want to hand the ball off to. Okay. Now, am I impressed by what Patterson did? Yeah, not really. Not really. I mean, he had, you know, he had Devlin a lot. He ran behind him. It's like early Sony Michelle. It's like early season Sony Michelle. I'm just not impressed by it. Which, you know, kind of goes to my point that, nah, you don't really need running backs. But, you know, I'm not going to dance on that grave right now. But, yeah, you know, if you can hand the ball off to, you know, if you can get production out of a position, handing, you know, the ball off to Cordell Patterson and get, you know, something similar to what you got out of a first-round pick, maybe you shouldn't be picking that position in the first round. But, hey, what do I know? <laughs> but, hey, what do I know? But then that kind of stopped. Right? I mean, that was just a stupid, tricky thing. And they did that, and they got down the field. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just would have liked to see the Patriots, you know, line just line up, get the ball, and go down the field. Like, that just, I don't know. That would have been nice. And I feel like they weren't, a lot of the time, they weren't able to get the kind of production they wanted just running the ball, just passing the ball. And it's still just, I don't know, the offense isn't in sync yet and maybe they get back in sync when Gronk comes back but they weren't really there when they had him either so and I mean Josh Gordon had his best game as a Patriot I think you know some of that came on trick plays but I mean Josh Gordon was productive he still doesn't look as fast as he was in his prime which I'm not surprised by I mean the guys have played in like five years but he still doesn't look as fast I mean he, he looks good like Josh Gordon's playing his role still Dorsett appeared for the first time in forever like 
they have enough weapons that they should be. I don't know. This offense should feel better than it does. And I don't know. Like maybe that changes when once again maybe it changes when these guys come back. But right now it hasn't. And we're gonna see. Now, finally, you know, because once again, all this I'm saying about the Patriots comes with, but they're seven and two, but they'll probably figure it out. You know, they have a very good chance of going to the Super Bowl right now, as they are right now, let alone if they get better. The Packers, on the other hand, what the hell is up with the Packers? The Packers infuriate me year to year to year. All the time. The Packers make me very upset. <laughs> and I've talked about it. I used to hate on Ted Thompson all the time. But turns out Ted Thompson was yeah, Ted Thompson who refused to maximize his window with Aaron Rodgers. It would only draft guys. It would not bring in any free agents. Ra ra ra. We gotta home grow everybody. Ra, no free agents. Ted Thompson hated him for years. People told, said he was one of the best executives in football. Which always, always maddened me. And then I got rid of him. I was very happy. And they brought in this new guy. Damn, I don't know off the top of my head. Well, they brought they promoted him. And he brought in some free agents. Brought in Jimmy Graham, Muhammad Wilkinson, blah, blah, blah. Not saying that those were franchise-altered free agents, but good. They're, they're trying. Because you have Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know how much longer you have Aaron Rodgers for. I don't think Aaron Rodgers can play till 40. Just the way he plays. Well, I mean, maybe he can play till 40, but he can't be Aaron Rodgers till he's 40. Just because, you know, he plays differently. He moves around more. He's probably only have a few more years of him if he can stay healthy, which has also kind of always been a concern with him. But, yeah. What are the Packers doing? You have Mike McCarthy, who seemingly doesn't have a clue. You have a team that they're down by 14. They have six, seven minutes left, so you still have a chance. No sense of urgency. They're not moving. They're running the ball. My God. They're running the ball with Aaron Jones. Mind you, it was working to a degree, but guess what? Like a seven, six-yard gain isn't going to help you when you need to go 50, 60 yards in a minute. It's not. It's not going to help you. Not. Don't do it. They, yeah, seemingly don't have a clue. And yet they keep doing it. They keep letting Mike McCarthy have this job, which is mind-blowing to me. Because this is a team that underachieves every single year. And once again, part of that might be the roster that I've criticized. They don't have a great roster. But also, they've had enough to at least have gotten. They've had enough, i.e. they've had Aaron Rodgers, which should be enough to at least get more than one Super Bowl appearance in there. Really, this team, you know, they've made it to a bunch of NFC Championship games, but always something stupid has kept them out. I was like, the years where Rodgers gotten hurt, fine. You're not going to do anything without him. But, yeah, the team underachieves every year. And probably time to get rid of Mike McCarthy. Don't know why he's still there. Don't know why he's been there. So, and this may be the last time we ever see Brady play Rodgers unless they make a Super Bowl together, which I don't think the Packers are doing it this year. So, I don't know. They need to do something. And I do want to touch on this more. Later on in the show, because we are kind of up against a um, schedule break here. I do want to kind of, you know, just kind of rag on the Packers a little more. I'll probably move this down. But we are going to take a quick break here. Once again, 
You are watch. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven WXIN. This episode coming during the ninety point seven WXIN Radiothon for Project Safe Pet. Once again, if you love dogs, you want to help them get relocated, get spayed all across you know York, Chester, Lanchester, and South Carolina. Please donate to Project Safe Pet. Call in 401-456-8787 or go on www.projectsafepet.com. Donate. Give them the money. Help. They do good work. I'm endorsing them. So please, please consider donating. Anyway, though, we are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we are going to be getting joined by Ken Doyle of the editor-in-chief of GuyBostonSports.com. He's going to be coming in to talk a little bit of Red Sox with us. And once again, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back in just a minute. Point seven WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here during the 90.7 WXIN Radio Thought for Project Safe Pet. So once again, if you like animals, you want to help them get taken care of down south, stray dogs, stray cats, all the like of that, please call in 401-456-8787 or donate on projectsafepet.com. Anyway, though, we've been talking mainly Patriots up to this point, but now it's 4.30, and we are now joined here by Ken Doyle, editor-in-chief of GuyBostonSports.com and the host of the Wicked Smart Podcast. And we've been having a little bit of phone trouble, but Kenny, are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, happy to have you, my man. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, man? Good. Happy to have you. Now, Ken, you wrote an article, came out this week that I really liked, a comprehensive Red Sox management guide to 2018 free agency. Why tw- Got a long title. Why 2019 will be the most yeah. important <laughs> offseason in franchise history. And yeah. more, and we've been talking about this a lot on the show because I find it fascinating. Because obviously the Red Sox are in a very, very, very precarious spot, fresh off of a World Series, and frankly, it's good to get back to hating on the team a little bit. But I mean, basically, I mean, what do you? Yeah, the whole article. It's a pretty long article, very comprehensive. But yeah, I mean, what do you? What do you think this team needs to do this off season and beyond? Yeah, so basically, the article is just talking about uh, the Red Sox finals financial situation and how close they are to the tax. Obviously, they're the highest payroll in you know, B last year. But, yeah, I mean, 2018 is going to be an interesting offseason. Not a lot of important, uh, like, key, you know, the top of the roster, the core of the roster is not up, but a lot of guys on the fringes there, like Evaldi, Pierce, and Kelly, guys that had great, great postseasons, but maybe their profile isn't quite as big as the performance they showed in the postseason is. So I think it's for that reason it makes it a very interesting offseason for the Red Sox. Yeah, and – Obviously, next offseason was always going to be extremely important. It is still extremely important. But the postseason's funny because the postseason kind of went and made this offseason a lot more interesting. Because, yeah, you're right. You have Craig Kimbrell, who I thought was the most important free agent. Now I think is maybe the least important free agent on this team. And then you have Nathan Navaldi, Joe Kelly, Steve Pierce, guys who really played themselves into maybe bigger contracts. And you mentioned in this article, because you do list the AAV for these guys, and I'm glad you didn't – oh, you did list Steve – you did list, list Steve Pierce, but 
You do say that you think that the highest this team should offer Craig Kimbrell is $12 million. And honestly, after the, not just the postseason, which I'm not trying to only react to the one postseason, because it's difficult, because you don't want to overreact to one postseason, but also, you know, that's what matters. So you want to try to, you know, give it some importance. But you say you want to give Craig Kimbrell $12 million. I honestly, after the season he had also, he did slip a lot. I almost say the team should just let K- Craig Kimbrell walk if he gets – walk if he gets any kind of real serious offer on the market and do you see that do you see there being a market for Craig Kimbrell right so that number is basically just me trying to be fair to Craig Kimbrell's actual market and value while also putting it low enough just as to say the Red Sox aren't signing Craig Kimbrell this offseason because that's uh, what I truly believe and that's it seems, it seems like the writing's on the wall you know they drafted mm-hmm. Urban Feltman in the third round last offseason he doesn't get called up in September for whatever reason, but if you're going to draft a reliever in the third round, you got to figure he's your closer of the future at some point. So I think the writing's on the wall there that a long-term deal for Craig Kimbrell does not make sense for the Red Sox, and that's the reasoning behind the number. As far as the closer, who the closer is going to be next season, I mean, that's a tougher question to answer right now. It seems like maybe they'll go with a guy like Barnes or like Brazier and just transition into uh, Feltman maybe at midseason if Things are going horribly, maybe, in the 2020 season. But I just don't think a long-term deal makes sense for Craig Kimbrell when you've invested what you've invested in a reliever. Yeah, in I, draft. I, I mean, either way, I just say see you later on the guy. And even then, I mean, you have you know, maybe a guy like David Robertson, who I, I'm a huge fan of Robertson. Like, at this point, I might maybe want to see them bring in a guy like that. But you think that Feltman is somebody who's going to be on the roster after spring training? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell with Feltman. You know, it's it's been such a wild situation with him. But as soon as I drafted him, he seems like a guy that mm-hmm. could be electric in, in the late innings and in the bullpen for them. And like I said, he is, he's been a bullpen arm. He was a bullpen arm in college. And he mm-hmm. was a, a great closer. He was one of the best closers in the draft, maybe the best closer in the draft. And I just don't see uh, the, the ideology behind drafting a reliever, like I said, in the third round, unless you have a plan for that guy to be your closer at some point. It's tough to say that's going to be next year. I would be more confident in saying that if Feltman was added to the roster when mm-hmm. they expanded to 40 in September. But since he wasn't, uh, it's, it's kind of harder for, for me to gauge. But uh, I, I think uh, I would at the very least expect them to, him to be on the roster in 2020. I'm not as confident as saying he will be in 2019. Okay. And then you go, you go on the list of guys. And then Steve Pierce, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Let, let, I think the best thing possible for Steve Pierce is to let him walk Instead of let him stay and just become a platoon guy next year, which, A, I, you, realistically, you can find a guy like Steve Pierce. You can find another old right. dude to hit lefties. And I would rather just, you know, let the le- legend of Steve Pierce live on. So I say just let that guy walk, especially considering the cap. And then Joe Kelly, I think, is interesting. But I think easily the guy who, at least the guy who I actually want to see the team resign, I am in, I'm pretty in on Nathan Navaldi <laughs> as a guy who is versatile. As a guy who had, you know, obviously was lights out all postseason. I mean, he gave you a start out of the bullpen, which was wild to me. Yeah. If you were a six-inning start out of the bullpen. I mean, he's a guy who did play well in a lot of spots in the regular season, which then I wasn't really willing to buy in on it just because, you know, it's this random guy who's never done anything who you got for Jalen Beeks. But, like, I, I usually – I'm pretty willing to retroactively look back on really anything if a guy proves it later on. So – a guy who did have a lot of strong spurts. Like I, I'm willing to see the team re-sign Nathan Evaldi. And you over here at 14 million. Do you think he right. can get that kind of money on the market? Because I think he's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm afraid he will. I mean, when you look at what Rick Porcello is making, 20 million a year, and Nathan Evaldi was a far better pitcher in the postseason. 
the value on pitching in MLB. I mean, it, it varies based on who you ask, really. I mean, you look at the postseason, so many stars were pulled so early. But still, it, when you look at the rotations of the teams that did make the playoffs, the Astros, the you know the, the Dodgers and the Red Sox, they all had great, great rotations. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, that debate. But I think Evaldi played so well in the postseason that I, I think a team could come along and, and really pay him a lot. But if they don't, I would obviously love to have him back. Mm-hmm. But if they do, if they do offer him a contract, you know, close to approaching that or past it, I, I don't think the Red Sox should match that. I mean, this is a guy who played, like I said, electric mm-hmm. in the postseason, or like you said, electric in the postseason is great. But really, this guy was a fourth starter and a guy mm-hmm. that you were debating going into the postseason whether you would want Erod or him to be the fourth starter going into the postseason. Now, obviously, made the right decision. Avaldi's been great. But I think the idea with these guys, Avaldi, Pierce, and Kelly, is just it's, the idea should not be to re sign them at all, at all costs. It should be to find the next versions of them. These guys are, you know, fringe players that, that have been that were great in the postseason, but really over the course of their career weren't anything special. So you, on the next championship team, they can't be on it. You need to find whoever can repeat what they did mm-hmm. because I really don't think it's going to be those guys. You see, I, I agree with you very strongly that on Pierce and Kelly. I don't really care about either of them. I don't. I'm not going to go years making fun of Joe Kelly then suddenly say give him eight million dollars, but. Avaldi, I don't like Avaldi. Show like Avaldi was able to do it. Like Avaldi came out of the bullpen. Avaldi was a starter. Avaldi, I would be willing to give him that 13, 14 million. And if it came down to this, to it, something I've thought, I would move on from Rick Porcello to create the yeah. money to sign Nathan Avaldi. Yeah. If you can get him for less than 20 million and trade Rick Porcello and get whatever you can get from him, which I think you can get something for Rick Porcello. He did not have a great postseason, but I think there'd be a National League team out there that would be willing to trade you something decent. For Rick Porcello mm-hmm. into this red, and I don't want to like touch on this right this second, but you know, for this Red Sox farm system, something decent is going to be a boon for them. So, I mean, I would move on from Rick Porcello to keep Nathan Evaldi as your third starter. I mean, what do you? How do you look at that? Well, Rick Porcello. I mean, last year's postseason would say you're right. You know, Evaldi's better than Rick Porcello, but Rick Porcello. I mean. You know, I don't know. It's t- it's still a Cy Young Award winner, and yeah, if you had to Cy pick, Young. if you had to pick next year, who's going to have a better regular season? I, it's tough for me to say Nathan Evaldi is going to be have a better regular season than Rick Porcello, just based on. I mean, it was such a small sample size, mm-hmm. and he's so he's so uh, shaky, so you know, uh, up and down with Evaldi. He had some great starts in the regular season, and he also had some where he got shelled, and so it, yeah, it's but very you know, tough. so does Porcello. And I just think uh, this... listen. I listen. We're going to get to the 2019 offseason. Uh, I think uh, coming up here, and Rick Porcello is a free in 2019. So if they want to move on from him, they can. But uh, over the course, if you're talking about next season, it's tough for me to say trade Rick Porcello and keep Evaldi. But I, 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 I guess I'm still just not totally confident in what okay. Evaldi is, and and saying he's definitely going to be a, a solid third starter for you because it. It can go either way with them, really, in the regular season, at least. That much is fair. I just, I just think if you can get him for less than Rick Porcello, which I think you can do. I don't think he's, I don't think he's gonna get twenty million. I just feel like the value in that, paired with the upside that I think Evaldi has, which I think he does have more upside than Porcello, paired with also, you know, you're getting something for Rick Porcello. I just think it's, I think that's the smart play for the Red Sox. I think that is, that's at least getting yourself ready to have one less, you know, hit after the 2019 season, which is, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show, but, and everybody knows it, I mean, that's the big one. 2019, you have, what? You have half this team. You know, you have Bogarts, who's going to be a free agent. You have J.D. Martinez opting out. Mookie is in 2020, correct? 
Yes, Mookie's in 2020. Mookie and Jackie Bradley Jr. both yes. have their final arbitration year in 2019, and then they're up in 2020. So that just adds to the importance of the 2019. But you have Chris Sale becoming a free agent. And none, so, I mean, and Rick Porcello, but, you know, my, my hypothetical headcan, you know, Rick Porcello's gone. But because also, I mean, I let Rick Porcello walk. I don't pay Rick Porcello. That's another reason I think you should trade him and get another younger guy locked down longer. But so you have Chris Sale, Xander Bogarts, and, you know, Assuming J.D. Martinez is J.D. Martinez next year. Well, is the J.D. Martinez of last year, not the J.D. Martinez who got cut by the Tigers. But the you have those three guys. Those are three key guys to your team, but also three guys who I don't think are, you know, locks as guys you want to give big contracts to. And that's yeah. where 2018, they still have to be making big decisions because, you know, J.D. Martinez, obviously, he'll be turning, what, 34 after next season? Yeah. He a guy you want to lock down to a big, you know, $30 million a year contract, which somebody will oh, be 32. But still, and you do want to sign him into his late 30s, like the Red Sox have done with a lot of other aging power hitters. And how has that worked out for them? Not to compare him to Pablo or compare him to Hanley, but still, like, they, this team does not have a great track record with giving big money to aging hitters. Then you have Xander Bogarts, who, if Bogarts has, you know, the type of year he usually has... You know, if he you know, bats 280, hits 20-something home runs, do you want to give Bogarts a giant contract? I think that's a, I think that's a decision they have to make now because you have yeah. him listed at 22 AAV. I mean, some people are complaining that it should be higher. So That's what I'm saying. I mean, do you think that market's going to be bigger for Xander Bogarts? I think it will. Yeah, maybe. It could be. You know, uh, Xander's an interesting case. You know, he's a mm-hmm. top-line shortstop for sure, but – He's always always so inconsistent. He can get injured, uh, you know, and his career, his season can go in the tank at, at any point. And, and uh, we've seen that happen a number of times. And with that in mind, like if somebody's out there and you know you think somebody will be willing to give Xander Bogarts twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven million, maybe that's a little high, but are you you know if that offer comes in, are you willing to pay Xander Bogarts twenty five, twenty six million if he has you know once again another normal year for him? Obviously, it takes a giant jump you sign him, but. Assuming he kind of is consistent because he's getting to that point where guys stop develop having gigantic leaps. Like, are you willing to pay Xander Bogus that $25, $26 million? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that I touched on. I just think that the decision for the Red Sox next offseason, I think that they're, they can find a way to keep Chris Sale. They can find a way to deal with Mookie's arbitration and even Ben Attendee, who's going to be entering his first season of arbitration. Uh, but I think the decision really comes down, the hardest one for the Red Sox is J.D. Martinez or Xander Bogarts, because you're probably going to have to pick between mm-hmm. the two. Uh, you know, and, and J.D., you know, you know, they could possibly create enough space for both. It would be very hard. They would, I mean, they would have to really go cheap on the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's possible, but I suppose they, they might be able to find a way. But really, we're talking about who are you going to pick, Xander, J.D.? I mean, Xander, I have them keeping Xander only because of money and age. But if right. the Red Sox just want to think short-term and just keep the better player mm-hmm. and don't care about the age and money, then obviously the answer is J.D. You know, who you end up picking between those two, though, who the Red Sox end up picking, will tell us a lot about their philosophy moving forward. Yeah, but even just philosophy aside, I don't know if I want Xander Bogarts on that kind of big contract. And yeah, if- I- if you look at that, do you, and if you decide that, and if you're the Red Sox, like I said, you have to be making these decisions now. I mean, I'm sure they already have. I'm sure that Dave Dombrowski isn't, like, listening to this show, like, oh, oh you're right. Yeah. Xander Bogarts is a free agent. I didn't even think about it. But, no, like, you have to start deciding, like, if you're not going to, if you have, if you think he's going to get more money than you're willing to give him, do you trade Xander Bogarts to rebuild the farm system? Because I think at some point they need to sell 
something off to rebuild the farm system. And like I said, is Bogart's that guy. Do you move on from him this offseason now and get the most you can out of him instead of, you know, essentially letting him walk? I mean, is that something you could see the Red Sox? Or you think, or not even can you see, because I don't think they do that. But do you think that's something they should do? Uh, I think it's something they should consider. Ultimately, no, I don't think it's something they they should uh, do because you're talking about a team here that just won 108 games just with a buzz off of the playoffs. If you talk about getting rid of too many pieces, you know, it's not, it's, you know you're going to have to think about that in 2019, but in 2019 offseason. But right now, I still think for at least one more year, you have mm-hmm. this team that you know, people are talking about as one of the great teams in MLB history. Mm-hmm. You should keep the core of it together. I know the farm system is an important issue and one that needs to be addressed. But as far as this goes, I would say you want to keep most of this yeah. team together for next season and then worry about it in 2019. I know that feels a little bit like, you know, you're pushing it off and pushing it off and you're, you're going to pay for it. Yep. But when you have a team like this, mm-hmm. you, I feel like you kind of have to, at least and, for one year. And, 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 I, and in the end, I kind of agree with you because it's probably not the most responsible thing. But no, you're right. When you have a team that can contend, usually I'm going to say you should contend. And if you're going to suck later, eh, you're going to suck later. But at least you suck with another World Series in the pattern. This team has rebuilt before. I mean, they were able to rebuild from 2013, where they then kind of went in the tank for a little bit. But yeah, no, and I tend to agree with you. I don't think I think they have a general manager who's also going to agree with you. And we've said for years that you know they're in the Chris Sale window, but that's the last guy. And Chris Sale, I think, is most inter- is another very interesting case for this team because Chris Sale, he's going to be a free agent next year. Chris Sale really wasn't much of a factor in the later half of the season, in the postseason. Chris Sale, who routinely Every season, he kind of he's tapered off down the stretch. So this season, you saw the Red Sox make a concentrated effort to manage Chris Sale. I think there were points in the season where they could have done more, but still, they made much more of an effort this year to manage him to try to keep him from falling off a cliff. But still, he fell off, and even worse, he got injured. And I don't think Chris Sale was much of a factor in the postseason. And I think the team really needs to ask themselves the question of if they want to move forward with Chris Sale. Because I think, and this might sound crazy to some people, but I think when you look at things in their totality, there's a good argument for, once again, like this offseason getting out in front of it. And maybe, once again, this might be crazy, but maybe Chris Sale is the thing you move on from to rebuild your farm system. And we've lost Kenny. <laughs> we've actually lost Kenny. He's going to call back in just a second, though. But Chris Sale might be the piece. You know, Chris Sale, he's aging. And once again, like, you say he's your ace, but. Here, Kenny, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry, Sorry about that. that. <laughs> Did you hear the last piece I said about Chris Sale? Yeah, yeah Chris Sale and just the decision on him. Uh, you know, I think that his of, his postseason wasn't what you wanted. And like you said, every single year he, he has these seasons where he falls off at the end and he can't, he can't last. And it's, it's disappointing and it keeps happening. You know, this year really seems like it was going to be the year that it didn't he came out in July and he was fantastic. He one of the best months I've ever seen a pitcher have. Yep. And it seems like he was a runaway for Cy Young and now they manage uh, him yeah, well. Yeah. And now he's not even a finalist for Cy Young. And so, you, you know, you look at that and you, you kind of, it, it is hard to say, well, we have to ignore that and pay him because he's one of the great pitching talents. Uh, of this generation, mm-hmm. but I think I have to say that. I mean, he is. You're talking about the the next version of Randy Johnson, mm-hmm. and you just have to hope that he will eventually learn something with his body, whether it's finding the right way to build up his muscle mm-hmm. or 
what have you, and he'll be able to last into the postseason and be the same pitcher then. Uh, I think you cannot just say, well, he's not there in August and September and October, so let's just let this great, great talent walk. I think they just well, have to find a way to resign him. You see, I kind of disagree, though. I mean, I, and I don't say you let him walk. I say if you consider anything, if you – if they come around to kind of what I'm saying, I say you trade him and you try to rebuild. Once again, you, maybe he's the piece you move to at least get something in the lower levels or something you can use to trade or something of value. But I mean, I don't. Guys usually in their, th- you know, if you, what you're proposing here, what they probably have to do, they'd have to sign him to a six, seven million, six, seven year deal at thirty something million. I don't know if I want that guy in the books. Honestly, I don't know if I want Chris Sale if he can't figure out his body. Do you want Chris Sale thirty three? Like these kind of issues, they don't get. I mean, guys, you unless you're Tom Brady. I mean, unless he gets on, you know, the Chris, the CS, you know, the the on the CS41 method, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it gets better. But that usually those kind of things don't happen. And once again, maybe you get on in front of it because they, you say he's a great talent and you need him, but they didn't need Chris Sale in the postseason. A lot of guys could have given you, you know, three four-inning starts, giving up three runs throughout the postseason. And you also saw the Dodgers, they well, they could have used Kershaw, but still. Well, not to be the intangible guy, but did you need Chris Sale's dugout speech in game four? I mean, it seemed like that yeah. that turned the corner, turned, turned something around for the Red Sox. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of guys can give speeches. <laughs> it, it's just you know you find you trade for a guy who can give speeches like it's just I don't know I just I don't know I don't feel comfortable especially when you also have David Price making thirty something million dollars into his late thirties which I know a lot of people are high on David Price right now but I think it's pretty bad for the team that he opted into that contract I think that overall kind of hurts their team building but you know at least it wasn't a decision they had to make I don't know I think like I said you have to move on from somebody I feel like and yeah ma- you know I I feel like the guy is JD or Xander I don't I don't feel like sale I don't feel like we should be uh we should be talking about getting rid of him only because uh, even if he wasn't pitching even though he was not pitching very often in the playoffs it was far few and far between where he, he was starting I still feel like there's a level of confidence you have when you have that guy on your staff mm-hmm. because even though he was injured I think we all went into every series and still thought this was the beginning of the series we have the best pitcher. We have the best oh, pitcher on either side. Oh, I did. You, well, I, I think the, <laughs> the majority of people felt that way. I, I'm <sighs> sure some didn't like yourself, but uh, and either way, when he came in to close that ninth, he was nasty. Oh yeah, that I was mean, great. That, 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 that was unbelievable. In a, the the in slider a... to strike out Manny Machado, mm-hmm. the 78 mile an hour yeah. pitch to to change up to Kiki Hernandez. I mean, nasty stuff. I mean, also it was in the fifth game of a series, so I'm not going to say the guy like won you the World Series, but it's just, I don't know, like, I feel like, you know, you got to make the tough decision somewhere, and, you know, maybe that's a guy, and your staff does probably take a step back in the regular season, but the AL isn't getting any tougher anytime soon, like, I don't really worry about the regular season with this team, like, this team is gonna win games with or without an ace, and they did win games with or without an ace for a good chunk of the season when things got tougher and their schedule got tougher, so... Maybe that's the guy. And then, you know, finally, you know, the biggest, most interesting piece in all of this is, of course, Jackie Bradley Jr., who I'll laugh at when he walks. But after that, yeah. you have Mookie Betts. And I don't like the way this team has handled Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like that they brought him to arbitration last season. Mm-hmm. I think they should have tried to re-sign the guy. Obviously, the guy is not happy with that. But also, and I forgot to bring this up with Xander Pogarts, but... Him and Xander, both of their, both of them are managed by Scott Boris, 
who add, is you can add JD onto that as well. JD you know, fired his agent last offseason and signed Scott Boris. So you're right. And those, you know, Scott Boris, if he does anything, he brings his guy to market. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That's why Xander Bogarts, I think, is going to get top money. Xander Bogarts is going to market. JD Martinez is not because of Scott Boris, just because you know JD Martinez has this has this massive complex about how people view him. Which, man, it's, it's getting fairer, but still, it's a little silly. But, you know, he's going to try to go to market and get top money, which he rightfully should do. And then Mookie Betts. Like, Mookie Betts will probably be the highest player in baseball. But also, I don't know, last offseason I would have liked him to sign him to a contract, but almost this offseason, after the postseason he had, it would feel kind of weird. And I know, you know, the whole body of work in the end, I shouldn't be buying into one postseason, but also... It would almost feel weird after a guy goes, you know, one for 12 in the World Series and then make him the highest paid player in baseball. So, I mean, how do you see the team handling Mookie Betts? Uh, I think they'll, they'll make Mookie Betts the number one priority. You know, it's hard to judge the postseason versus regular season debate, you know, because we started this conversation with people with talking about the guys who had great postseasons but weren't those players in the regular season. So, you know, ultimately you have to pick one or the other. Do you build a team of Nathan Evaldi's and, you know, uh, Joe Kelly's and Steve Pierce's, or do you build a team of Chris Sales and Mookie Betts and, you know, J.D. Martinez's and say, you know what, we're going to hope that these guys produce in the playoffs, and Mm -hmm. if they don't, we'll have these rather role players to pick them up, but we're going to pay the guys who we know are the best players. Because the small sample sizes are are tough to read, you know, and I think Well, you know, the sample size with Mookie, not to cut you off, but the sample size with Mookie is getting bigger. I mean, Mookie has has been in three postseasons now. He does have a career 227 batting average in the postseason. He only has, you know, one homer. Like, Mookie has not been good. And maybe that changes, but it's just, you know, every year that builds up. So sorry, no, yeah, the, uh, I'm more speaking about the postseason compared right. to the regular season. As I right, right. You're talking about, you know, sometimes four or five games. In this case, you know, about just about, you know, 14 to 162 and so you know what the players are and i i just i don't read as much into those those handful of games that you see in the postseason mm. every year so i just think you got to keep the best players if they're the ones that produce in the postseason great but you got to rely on what they are as players and that's what you're really paying them for yeah right. and then kind of cumulative thing i mean do you see this because i've said that maybe there's a chance that this red sox team their best move might just be to kind of sell off some pieces and go into kind of a soft rebuild. Do you think there's any chance of that? Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's much chance of that. But at, at the same time, fans shouldn't be afraid of roster change. You know, no. obviously, we'd love to keep the core of this team together. But roster turnover has always been known for the Red Sox. You just brought up the 2013 mm-hmm. championship team, the roster changes we've seen since then. I mean, roster turnover, generally speaking, is a, a very good thing in baseball. So, you know, you can't be afraid of that. You know, I think a great example of how damaging it can be to try desperately to avoid that reality is the Phillies of the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you were trying to find a comparison for J.D. Martinez earlier if, he, if things go in the tank. Uh, how about Ryan Howard? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, a team, that's a team that Eat won fresh. a championship in 2008 and tried desperately to keep their team together too long thereafter, mm-hmm. and they've been recovering from what a, trip, trip, uh, a crippling mistake that was ever since. So, well, you know... And then finally, I mean, at the end of this article, which once again, once again is great on GuyBostonSports.com. Go read this. It's a great in-depth article. You get into the whole thing. You kind of list uh, a rough projection. Well, sorry, one more thing. Before I get to that, I mean, do you think – I thought about this. I mean, I, I think it's pretty much a lock that Mookie Betts would re-sign with the Red Sox. I'm not going to sit here and try to, like, you know, really try to throw that in. But 
if they decide to go kind of that soft rebuild route, do you think that's something Mookie Betts would want to be a part of? Do you think Mookie Betts, if he had you know other teams on the table, being like, we'll all make you the highest paid player in baseball, do you think that would factor in? Like, do you think that could be something that could maybe make Mookie consider leaving Boston? Which obviously, you know, right now everybody's high, high on this whole team. But, I mean, do you think he would want to be a part of that? I don't think it, he, it would affect his decision only because I think if you're the Red Sox and you're paying Mookie Betts this exorbitant amount of money, mm-hmm. my guess is that you're trying to win one way or another. Yeah. Even if you go into a soft rebuild or a retooling, as some would call it, I think you're, st- you're probably still going to compete. If the Red Sox were really going to go a, a route of a rebuild, which I wouldn't envision coming off the season they just had, but uh, with money it could certainly be a possibility. I, I just think that they would not – offer Mookie Betts that contract if they were going in a different direction, you know? So I, I, I do think they'll try to keep most of this team together while retooling in other places and make sure they don't commit to some guys. Maybe maybe Chris Sale. Maybe that's a guy they have to look at injury-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that I, – I don't think Mookie's decision is going to be affected by that. If anything, I'd be concerned about uh, the arbitration that's gone to court with the Red Sox, maybe that affecting his decision. All right. Good stuff. And then at the end of this article, obviously, you list a rough projection. I mean, you have Christian Cassis, you have Chavez in there. I mean, do you think, like, do the Red Sox have, do you think those are guys the Red Sox have in the pipeline that actually might be real players? Because that is, in my eyes, what they're missing right now. And I don't watch a lot of, you know, minor league baseball. I know there are people that do. But, I mean, are those actual guys? So I have a, uh, a friend over a guy about sports, Sean Palmer, another co-writer of mine, one of the top guys over there that I've, I've talked to a good amount about this kind of stuff because he's really good uh, into this stuff. And Tristan Cash is the guy he loves. He thinks Cassis is going to be a big part of this team. And when I talked to him about Sam Travis, who he wasn't a tie on, he said he thinks that Cassis is going to be a guy that could, could leap him very, very quickly in the Red Sox farm system. So I think Cass is, yeah, that's definitely a guy that Red Sox fans should look out for. But like you said, their farm system is bare, so it's few and far between. I mean, you're really picking from, uh, you know, it, not much, you know, picking from the, the, the scraps uh, when you're talking about the Red Sox farm system. But uh, so far, they've traded the right guys and held on to the, the right ones. So you hope they're going to do the same here. And whether it's uh, Chavez or Cassis, that someone's going to hit that they can put on one of the corners, maybe move uh, Devers mm-hmm. to first or DH at some point. All right, sounds good, my man. Uh, once again, we've been talking to Kenny Doyle, of Gu- editor-in-chief at GuyBostonSports.com, host of the Wicked Smart Pod. Do you have anything else you want to plug to the good people here? Uh, no, that's it. You nailed all of it. Go check the, both of those things out, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem, man. Come on anytime. All right. See you, man. See you. All right, like I said, we're just talking to Kenny Doyle of GuyBostonSports.com. Good talk with him. You... You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We can take a quick break here, and when we come back, it'll be just me by myself, but we'll be talking. Have some Celtics thoughts and want to get just some more Patriots thoughts and want to dive in. Kind of want to eventually find my way back to my Packers thoughts, which I had to get to get to him, but that's fine. It was good talking to Kenny. So we'll take a quick break, and we will see you after these messages. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. I think it's time to blow this scene, get everybody in the stuff together. 
90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. We were just talking some Red Sox with Ken Doyle of GuyBostonSports.com, but now it's just me. Once again, no Jordan, no Elo, no guests. Just me. It's been a while since I've been alone on the show, but I'm happy to be here. Also, once again, this is the Radiothon for Project Safe Bet, so please call in to 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787 or go to www.com. ProjectSafePet.com, I almost said Guy Boston Sports, to pledge money for the cause. They help a lot of animals all across the country. I like animals. You like animals. So try to reach into your pockets a little bit. I know I will. Anywho, though, with all that, we are going to dive back in to spots. Talking pages top top of the show. Now I want to dive into a few Celtics thoughts, which the Celtics, obviously, they've had some eh, some issues at this point. The Celtics right now, 6-4. and four. Not quite the top team in the East at the moment. Obviously, I don't care about regular season. Right now, they're the fourth seed behind the Pacers, the Bucks, the Raptors. They struggle a little bit. They, they, they've dropped two in a row now after beating the Bucks in a great fashion. They've lost to the Pacers. They've lost to the Nuggets. And I basically want to touch on that Nuggets game. They lost to the Nuggets Monday night, 115 to 107. They were absolutely, absolutely torched by Jamal Murray who scored 48 points. I think like 20 of them came in the second half. I don't know the exact amount. But before that, I want to touch on this. Something that came yesterday, which during the game, at the end of the game, you know, they were running out the clock, and Jamal Murray, he was at 48. Seemingly, he wanted 50, and he jacked up a three. He missed. And then following this, Kyrie and all the Celtics went mega hardo on it. Basically, Kyrie took the game ball, threw it into the crowd, and then when asked about it, he said, the ball deserves to go in the crowd after a bullshit move like that, so I threw it in the crowd. You know, Marcus Smart then came in afterwards and said, if it was me on the court, it would have been something, but I wasn't. You know, I'm trying to save my money, so I told him, listen, next time we're not going to let that slide, so take this one. Otherwise, your teammates right here will need to step in. Don't do that sh- again. So, I don't know. I, I hear crap like that. And I really, really think all NBA beef is funny, for one thing, and kind of meaningless. And that, you know, nobody's going to fight anybody. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, you, for one, the guy torched you. And then you're going to come at the guy. You know, third-year player. You're going you gotta to come at the guy. Because what? Because he took a shot at the end of the game? Because, yeah, because he wanted to pad his stats. You're going to take that much offense to a dude wanting to pad his stats. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I really, I only read these quotes between the break. This is even why I want to talk about it, but I want to touch on that. I don't know. I just think it's stupid. Like, it's stupid. You know, all these freaking fake tough guys here. Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart. You're going to come at this dude for trying to take a shot at the end of the game to get 50. Or Josh Percy walking in here right now. And Josh, I'm just talking right now about how Kyrie and who let's accept Marcus Smart kind of just egregiously overreacted to Jamal Murray 
daring to jack up a three at the end of a game. You know, I I was disrespectful. I mean, no, no, it really was. You're is already, it? you're up by what seven? Yeah, eight points. Up by seven. And like, yeah, the guy are, wants fifty. Yeah, that's a that is a young guy mistake. He wants fifty points. Who cares? Let the guy get his points. No. And then Kyrie throws the ball at a bunch. I think Kyrie throwing the ball at people in the stands is more disrespectful. Yes, that too. But I do think that Murray doing that Meh. was a complete and utter disrespect Meh. to competition. It doesn't really bug me. I don't know. I just think that these M- NBA players are so weird. They get so pressed over the most bizarre things. It's disrespectful. I, eh, I don't care. Like, I don't know. What if the, it's just, you look like a loser when you come out and you talk about it. Like, that's what you're doing in the press conference. Saying, like, oh, that happens again. Oh, ho, ho. I'm going to come. Me and, all, me and all my tattoos and my 18% three-point shooting percentage. We're going to come at him. It's just, eh. No, I really do think that they had a valid argument for disrespect sure. because but you talk- no, there's are there's on court rules that every NBA sure. team knows. But since you talk about you could be you could not like I don't know, it's like you come out, you've lost two in a row. No, it's just you like talk- somebody stealing the ball at the end of the game and running down for a windmill dunk while yeah, why you're not? up by like, twenty. Oh god, you no, wanted- no, that's absolute Have disrespect. Fun. Okay, but you're gonna talk like when you talk about that after the game, you look like a loser. That's what it feels like. It does. Like if that's There's probably your, frustration. No, too. it is. You're right, and they're frustrated that they've lost two in a row. The team hasn't gelled yet, and they're frustrated. And I don't know. I don't want to talk about this too much because this is even what I'm talking about. I do want to talk about Jamal Murray because Jamal Murray has kind of been a fascinating guy for me the last couple of years in the Celtics rebuild. Because when the Celtics made that pick for Jalen Brown, I want Jamal Murray. I was disappointed they picked Jalen Brown. I still think Jalen Brown's a better player. Well, that's the thing. I want to talk about that. I'm not sure about that. I am. Jamal Murray. Okay. That's why I Jalen want to- Brown is a more overall, overall, overall uh, good player. He has. He's consistent on defense, sure. offense, three-point shooting, uh, mm, driving little, to the basket. Consistent. He's a little more. You know, he's a little more consistent on the three-point shooting. That being said, he's shot a lot less threes. But I would also like to point out that Jamal Murray's. Uh, Six-point guy or a 20-point guy. There is no in-between. He either has an awful night or he has a good night. There is no in-between where Jalen Brown is consistent. Mm -hmm. And Jalen Brown is better defensively. That much is true. So I still think that Jalen Brown is a better pick. I think he's going to be overall Mm -hmm. a better pick. Mm -hmm. Because if Jamal Murray is going to be anything close Mm -hmm. to Steph Curry or anything close to a three-point machine, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be averaging six one night, 26 the next night, five points one night, Mm -hmm. yada. No, he doesn't have a good That being said, I never really see the hype with Jalen Brown. Like, I just, I'm always... He's overshadowed. He's in his third year. I'm still waiting for the Jalen Brown break, because people always talk about him, because I don't put him in the same breath as Jason Tatum in terms of potential. The Jalen Brown show was the playoffs last year without That much was, that much was, game six of the playoffs, Amazing game for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown showed up in the playoffs last year not when games, other guys didn't. Not show in the up. game seven of the ECF. But all right, fine. Fair okay, nobody but, showed up. But no, Tatum showed up. Tatum was amazing in that game. But anyway, here's the thing with Jalen. And you do say he's overshadowed. I will say this because a lot of people at the time said, "Oh well, you can't pick Jamal Murray because you have a lot of." Go- I don't think anybody was really super pumped about the Jalen Brown pick. In part, because all of us like that was like the the first year where we all really got jazzed up on like Celtics trade rumors. And we all actually kind of bought into them. It wasn't like the next year we're like, oh, now they're going to trade for Paul George. Okay. So really, that was part of <laughs> But like, no, like 2017, we're like, oh, now they're going to do it again. But in hindsight, but I no, mean, but let, let me finish. Because the thing with Jamal Murray was everybody said, 
oh well, the Celtics have a lot of guards. They drafted you know, a guard. Anyways. They did. They had a lot of guards. At the, well, like, let me get to that. They had a lot of guards at the time. Like, oh, well, you have Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas. You have Smart. You have Rozier. And at the time, I said, well, who who the f cares? I don't care about half. Like, four, three of those four players, I don't care about at all. Um, you have you draft for the best player available, and now you might argue Jalen Brown is the best player. Might be the best player out of the two of them, which I think is eh, dubious because Jamal Murray is better scorer. And in the end, I think that's what matters more. But anyway. Anyway, I would make an argument that the Celtics probably missed out an opportunity to trade down well, a pick or two and grab another first round oh, well, pick God, to no, take I'd Murray. No, God, I'd rather have but the player. But I wouldn't at that number three pick. I would not but have let taken me finish. Murray that just, high. Just, just to sit here and say that to all the people who gave me like, oh, you have too many guard craps. Guess what? The Celtics would be better off with with a with a. And as much as I buy a positionless basketball, you want to talk about the roster cohesion? Guess what? Jamal Murray would fit better than Jalen Brown right now. Ever being fair, because all you people who which is why I think that around <laughs> January, if the Pelicans are well out of contention, yeah. I think that a, a move with all our first-round draft picks that we've yeah, like collected— Just the war chest and, of stuff. And Jalen Brown would be enough to snag Anthony Davis. Oh, no, I would love that. I would. That, lo- that's where I think they're ultimately going to yeah, go. I would hope. And the reason is because Jalen Brown has so much yeah. potential yeah. is that he's worth that much. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think that's I think that's a possibility. And— but um, yeah, I just I, don't know. I just wanted to laugh at those people. I just want I do agree that that is an interesting comparison because I, I also like Jamal Murray. I don't even like I I, I do think don't, my, we don't need another guard. Proceeds to draft a guard. Yeah, and now, well, a that, small yeah, no, forward. no, 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 no. Yeah, this guy. And once again, I buy into the positionless basketball. In the end, I say just get five, six, eight guys out there who can shoot. But hey, for all of you who actually still buy into like the shooting guard, small forward difference, guess what? Jamal Murray would fit better right now. So take that, everybody who doubted me. I would say that. I, still, I mean, Jalen Brown's a bad. Jalen Brown has more potential. Like, Jalen yes. Brown is so so effing athletic. Now, if Jamal Murray was putting up, yeah, no, Steph Curry type Jaylen, numbers Jaylen Brown with is so athletic. three pointers, yeah, but well, it's taking you know, him what? Th- it's well, taking right. Jamal Murray three years to c- yeah, well, to come into this. Well, no, I mean we last can, year he averaged sixteen point seven. Sixteen points. Oh my gosh. Jalen Brown averaged six, fourteen and a half. So I mean, yeah. but again, Jalen Brown wasn't playing thirty minutes no, a game. Ja- uh, well, I mean, Murray was. He, I mean, Jalen Brown was. Jalen Brown was like playing thirty point seven minutes per game. Okay, thirty points. Jamal was playing thirty two minutes per game. So no, thirty one point seven. It's only one minute more. But Murray and, was getting more opportunities on a no, you're right. Denver he, team. No, you're right. He can where get, Jalen Brown was getting moved around consistently no, with right. position. But now basketball. he's averaging close to 20 points a game. I'm just saying, like, eh, I think they're comparable players. And like I said, I, I would, I probably wouldn't trade him straight up by now. But I don't know. It feels like every time the Celtics play the Nuggets the last two years, Jamal Murray shows up, and I get to go down this Jamal Murray war, wormhole again, which I really enjoy. Also, which I'll talk a- about the overshadowing where you have Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. Al Horford, which seem to get more opportunities mm-hmm. on offense yes. than Jalen Brown, where if you go over to the Nuggets, yeah. the only other guy that gets more opportunities is Jokic. Yeah. And then you're like, I guess we got to go with Murray. Well, I mean, like, there's no see, other option on that see, team. Well, I have so Murray's, I have Millsap, uh, three point line, Gary Harris, gar- Gar-, give me a break. <laughs> like, you could make an no, argument I, a I, healthy I, Isaiah Thomas, but he's not healthy. No, well, here's so the thing. you're looking well, at it. The only well, logical I would say this, guard to get shots and opportunities mm-hmm. is right. No, that's fair. I would also say like Murray. it's it's also kind of unfair to Murray to say, well, Jalen Brown had the opportunities, he do the same thing when. You don't know, but no, I mean, you're right. It's just like... Like, if you put 
Jalen Brown on a team where there's no other good players like the Pelicans, yeah. he's going to show out. Maybe. He hasn't. He's, he's going to get the opportunity no, he would. to. No, you're right. He'll I'm, play 35 minutes a I game. I would say that right this second, Jamal Murray would fit on this roster a little better, like in the starting lineup than Jalen Brown. But that being said, the Celtics... Mm, he would play less minutes, though. I, I don't know. No, I think he'd get the same uh, shooting guard, being the starting two guard. Yeah, but the issue is that they play Hayward there. They play Tatum there. Well, they mainly well they mainly play Jalen Brown at the two. I mean, they kind of, they kind of have like shoehorned him in as a small as a shooting guard. Which but the issue is that when Jalen when when they go out there, they usually yeah. have they play Marcus Smart yep. there. They play Tatum there. They play well, yeah because positions don't there. matter exactly because two but of the at, four if you're aren't real. Posi- at that spot, yeah. that other guard spot, uh-huh. they play multiple different guys yeah. there. Morris sometimes like yeah, do they play Morris? I mean, who cares? But what I'm saying is that, like, with Murray on this team, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to get as many opportunities to well, show out. He would get the he same amount of shot up. Absolutely, he would have. What, he's averaging 20 right now? He'd probably yeah. be putting up, like, probably similar numbers to last year, maybe a little less. Yeah, well, I'm playing probably putting up more than Jalen Brown right now, but uh, I don't know anyway, about that. Anyway, but then do all that. But I do want to talk about the Celtics line because I haven't really touched on it. Now, you know, we're, we're 10 games in. You know, you know, I do have the stance of I'm, I don't get worried about things in the NBA until, like, <laughs> 10 games after the All-Star break, but still, the team has not gelled yet in the starting Give them time. I know, they're giving them time, but still, I mean, Hayward, I mean, what's your overall appraisal of Hayward right now? Because Hayward still doesn't look right to me. They're, I don't think they're... In the th- basically, no, like, I think they're just being careful with him right now. Well, I'm just saying Hayward, I mean, oh no, I like the way they're playing, I'm just saying that Hayward himself still hasn't looked like... Right to me. I, I mean, think, do, hey, do you want me to go outside and snap your ankle and then we'll come no, back I know, in eight I'm months saying, and you let me know how you're doing? No, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that. No, maybe, I got a chair right here. Let's go. <laughs> I'll go outside and break your ankle. But no, right I'm now. sitting here right now saying that I mean, you can make an argument that Kyrie doesn't look the same either. Yeah, Kyrie's been kind of coming back on lately. I but, mean, his defense has been less. Oh, who cares? It has been gradually decreasing ever since those knee injuries. Yeah. So you can make an argument that Kyrie doesn't look it. Well, how about yeah, I? How but also they don't. But also they don't have two other players at the exact. Same position as Kyrie in the starting lineup that the three of them can't really seem to get it together yet, which maybe that comes with time, but maybe for the time being. The issue is I think Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are moving a little slower yeah. than, uh-huh. uh, um, and you can even make an argument that Al Horford's moving slower too. Yeah, Al Horford's because he's older. Al Horford's been. Uh, then Al Horford's young been guys like Rozier yep. and Tatum mm-hmm. and Brown mm-hmm. and Williams want to run at. Like, well, Bob Williams is with this with the uh, is with the is with the no, red he, claws he now. It's with the red claws he's now. Played, uh, no, he it's played. He played against the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, we got sent to the red claws. It's with the red claws now, baby. Down there in Portland, which not with, but I mean, but still, you know what I mean. No, I know the what you're saying. No, I these know. These guys, but, I mean, you, God, like Gordon Hayward and Kyrie aren't like old men. They're both in their, but no, they come over injuries. But I'm, their injuries are yes. prohibiting their. Well, I would say involvement. that maybe, 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 for the time being. That'd be my reasoning right you now. S- oh, I agree with that. I, no, I do agree with that. It's still come back healthy, but I'm saying if Hayward specifically, I think Kyrie's looked fine, but Hayward specifically, if Hayward's not back yet, which he isn't, maybe there is, and right now him and T- Tatum and Brown, they're kind of still don't really have it together yet as a unit. Maybe for the time being, at least you reduce Hayward's minutes and maybe move Hayward to the bench. As he recovers, as he gets better, I think that could be a thing the team could do. I think that's something that the team could benefit from. I'm sorry, you're paying him thirty six. No, no, I know it's hard. He's no, not it's a bad, hard. I'm sorry. No, but not for the whole season. Just get him there, let him get right. Don't put that kind of pressure on him. Let him honestly, if he's off the bench, give him a chance to kind of run the offense, run the second team, maybe. 
Oh, I'm sure Smart and Rosier are gonna love that. No, who cares? Oh my God, who cares? I'm sorry, you're paying him almost forty mil no, a year. I I like he's no, not okay. coming the, off the. That bench. number keeps going up. It's thirty mil. You're like thirty-six mil a year. You're paying him forty. I think it's thirty-six. No, it's thirty-six. God no. No, he's making thirty-six million dollars. He's making thirty, I think. But still, he's in the thirties. Yeah. But you know, to bring the guy back from injury, you know, you got zero minutes. They should have done that in the first place. The well, fact no, that they... no, you can't do that. I didn't want them to do that in the first place. No, because I didn't think he was like. I saw this coming. Coming off the injury, he should have started in the lineup and played maybe. He's making thirty-one million. Thirty-one. He, in my opinion, if I was Brad Stevens, okay. for the first month, you should have gradually been increasing mm -hmm. his minutes. Mm -hmm. The first game back, he should have played like fifteen minutes. Give him a night off. Yeah. Well, I mean, then I you think play you him. have to play. You have to start him at the beginning. Yeah, of the no, year. no, I'm not saying you bring him off the bench. I'm saying you d you don't play him mm -hmm. the entire game. Mm -hmm. You play him like well, they didn't have him start the second half. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. What you well, should they, have like gradually increased his role. Well, there's been instead some of just that. throwing him in. Well, there. there's been like they have been giving him rest days. He has been playing. The issue is that they haven't been doing that though. They've been doing the rest days, but they're giving him like when he's playing, he's playing 32 minutes. Yeah. Like no, no, and no. I agree. I think maybe you just need to do it, and then that the the issue with that is then when at like mid season when you feel like he can play a full slate of minutes, then you have the issue of well how well he didn't have the whole half a season to gel with Tatum and Brown, and now they kind of have to learn that again. No, the only time you play him is with the starting lineup. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like that that's it. That's it. But I'm saying that. But they, oh, okay. Okay. So like you know okay. sometimes yep, you see yep. Kyrie out there with Morris yep. and Hay Baines. You no, just do not Hayward know. is just solely mm. starters. He. This is what you do. You play him ten minutes in the first half, ten minutes in the second uh -huh. half, all with the starters. Mm -hmm. That's all you okay, do. Where like start and close the game. Basically. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, something like that. Just I think that the guy he's not ready yet. I do. And, I mean, and unfortunately, you're already a, almost you're what two weeks, yeah, three weeks. In. Yeah, ten games in. Almost three weeks. One into eighth the of the way through the season. But. Like, the first 10 games were key for Hayward. They really should have started him off slow and got him back on his feet, got him some confidence. And mm -hmm. at this point, he should be the main facilitator on the team because he, mm -hmm. you look at him, dude. He doesn't care what he's doing. He's having fun playing. This is a championship team. Kyrie wants to score. Let him score. Mm -hmm. Let Kyrie be the guy. Let Tatum be the guy. Dude, Hayward, you can still be a double-double. 10 and 10, dude. Hayward could even have the possibility mm -hmm. of a triple double mm -hmm. for the year at 10, 10, and 10. Yeah. He would have the ability to if he wanted so, to take. So the Rondo step. triple double. Basically. Is, is Hayward going to be the next Rondo? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Just the no, idea is that, like, you need people to set up plays. Yep. And if Hayward's not at full strength, let him set up the plays. Let him make the passes. Yep. Let him draw the double team and let him make the plays and then just kick it out. Yep. Get, make the right pass. Yeah. Get those rebounds. I just think they need to do something. Like they need to do something because it's not working right now. To, which I think it will work, eventually. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Doubt. Like, like, like I don't. I'm not thinking going like, oh, the sky is falling on the Celtics because in the end, like, I, I think that if you trade, I don't think you trade it. No, 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 no. I think if you move Brown. Sure. I mean, I don't think that need to do that because I think the team but, for Anthony Davis and you move Hayward to the two, he'd have a better opportunity. I mean, I don't really think there's much of a difference in what he'd be doing at the two versus the three on this team with the way they play. Because I think it's like it's pretty arbitrary what they're doing. It's true. But, but, but like you slot in Anthony Davis, like I get that. Like yeah, like you slot him in. Like I think like then you just flip flop Tatum and Hayward between like whatever two and whatever three you think there's a better exactly. matchup for the two of them. But I mean that's just that's like that's arbitrary. Yeah, that would be. I think that'd be ideal. Well, Unfortunately, I mean, guy, I mean, you get Anthony Davis. I'm actually saying you can win a title. I'm actually saying you can probably beat the war. I'm saying you're actually going to contend with the Warriors at that point. I think this team 
They'll give them a series, but they're not better. It depends. They're not better. They it don't. Depends. They just they don't have. Because like okay, so I was asked by uh, a good friend of mine, Josh North, this comrade past North, weekend. friend of the show. Um, he goes, "What's the next Boston title?" Mm-hmm. Which is a fun conversation to have. And I said, "It's the 2019-2020 Boston Celtics." Sure. Because I think after this year, I think the Warriors do win again. Mm-hmm. They'll probably beat the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Or the Raptors, one of the two. Yep. Depends on if the Raptors choke. Ah, Raptors love. But, well, Kyrie, listen, they've they've been off to a great start. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. I still think the Bucks are still a little inexperienced. Mm, and they, well, well, I here's, just uh, here's the thing with the Bucks. Here's the thing with the Bucks. It depends on the matchups. The Bucks have the best player in the East. And in the end, like that's that's like my biggest. Like, I think Kawhi is the less best player in the. Okay, East. that's an argument. Okay, that's fair. But which is why I said Raptors yeah, or Celtics. Sure. Tomato, tomato. Celtics sure. are probably the best overall team. Yeah. But if if like a game seven against Toronto yeah. in Toronto, yeah. like Kawhi's going off for thirty two points. Yeah. You know, nobody. Like, let's think. Nobody win. Nobody. This is a dirty secret. Nobody wins a title in the NBA without a legit top five player. You don't. Just Which you can make an argument that the a healthy Kyrie can. Mm, not a top five player. Kyrie is a top ten player, but he's not. You know, he's not in the same category. But what if you have two top ten players? Maybe. Well, Anthony Davis is top five. Well, if you get Anthony, oh, sorry, if you get Anthony Davis, okay, that then you have it. that big that time top five it. play. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm, I, I understand. I'm saying like, but what if Gordon Hayward come uh, after the second half comes back playing like his top ten self? He was top twenty, top twenty guy. I always thought he was better than people thought he was. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I, when I, I was looking at NBA player rankings, he was ranked in like the 50s. Oh, and I'm like, right. do you not remember well, what ranked, this well, man did? Well, it's like doing like the NFL top one. It's hard to rank guys who were injured. Exactly. That, I remember no, like, that he was injured. And I'm like, this dude can play at a top 10 level. Yeah, close to it. So I'm like. Also, how does he exist? With, also, like, we've still never really seen yes. Hayward exist within like, you know, a team that's not his team yes. like how does Hayward play when Hayward you can make an argument that even Tatum's a top 20 player so you have two he's top, not there yet he's, you could make an argument I think Tatum could become that guy yes. I think Tatum absolutely like has the potential to so become you a top have 10 Tatum, top 5 player you've got Hayward you've got Irving yeah they might not be a top 5 player no, like, on the team but they've got yeah Oh, which would be different. Which like that, like maybe that, does, like maybe that's a team that doesn't. I'm just saying that, like historically, nobody's won the so finals. So the idea is behind it is that uh, the reason I said the 2019-2020 Celtics mm-hmm. is because I don't think they're going to win. Obviously, the 2018-2019 no. season. I don't. That being said, at the beginning of the year, I said if the Celtics don't bring the Warriors to six games, the season was a failure, which I still stand by. Uh, no, if the Celtics don't make the champ, if the Celtics don't make the finals and don't make it a series, uh, well, making the it a, a series could be like. I think six games. Okay, yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. like if they get if they go like if they make the finals. I mean, if they, and they win get... one against Golden State, that's more than some teams have. No, in the you're past. right. But I'm saying, like, like, like I mean, eh, if they go there and it's five, and it's like, not... what if they lose two games at home and then win one in Golden State? I take that as a win. Yeah, I mean, I'll see that at the time. But I, no, I'm that's where I'm drawing my line. We can discuss it at the time. Yes. But that's where my line is as of now. Six I would games. Agree. Okay, so the idea is that I do think Durant's gonna leave. I think okay. it, once he gets his other ring, okay, he'll have more than LeBron. I think he'll leave. Mm-hmm. He'll go somewhere else. The Wizards? No, he might. Well, maybe. <laughs> Durant. Might, do. No, I think he will go to the the Clippers. Okay. Or the Knicks because he's trying to downplay this Knicks thing way more than he needs to. I I don't want to play for the Knicks guy. Who brought up playing for the Knicks? 
We just asked you how, how you feel about the game. I know one game exactly. I don't want to play for the Knicks. So I do think that Kyrie, Durant uh, I do Porzingis. think that Durant leaves. Uh, and because of that cap issue with the Warriors, they won't, because they'll have to sign Draymond and Clay to No, maybe Max. Clay leaves. I want one Clay, of them leaves. I want Clay to get his own team so bad. So one of them leaves. I want okay? Clay to have his own team but so bad. But I do bad. think yep. that it will be Durant. Okay. And I think the Celtics... As yeah. a team they are right now, oh, they're, which they're, they're, the prob- next, like, they're the I next think team. that they have a better chance of beating a Kevin Durant-less Warriors oh, yeah. with a 32-year-old Steph Curry, oh, absolutely. a 30-year-old Draymond, and yeah. a 31-year-old Oh, I'm not afraid Clay of that Thompson. team. Oh, I'm not afraid of that. Exactly. Oh, I'm not afraid of that. Absolutely. So I was like, no, remove I think Durant, that, like, them were in business. Exactly. Assuming so, they don't get somebody else. Well, they're not gonna, there's nobody else of equal caliber, but yeah. like, And they wouldn't have the like, cap space. Unless, like, LeBron goes there. but And I think DeMarcus Cousin leaves, too. Yeah, probably. He's there for yeah. the ring, and he's going to leave. Very yeah. simple. Somebody gives him actual money. Yeah, probably. No, that's literally uh, no, yeah. th- not not if. No, yeah. that's no, what he's doing. And then come to the Celtics because Al Horford's contract will be up. Then you get a more dynamic center. But anyway, but then you put team up with Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. great. It's great. Um, they Jeff, can fight in the, in the Jason Tatum room. develops like it's great. Um, but and then I I started thinking. I was like, I think that one's probably the most possibility because yeah. anybody can sit here and be like Patriots. I'm like, ah, it, I don't even. Mm, I don't. Mm. You can't bet against Red them. Sox in 2019. Like, I, I think the Bruins are actually pretty far ways away. I, I said there's two teams that I could probably take out of here. I go mm-hmm. a depend. I, I can't say the Red Sox because I don't know their off season moves. Well, I, I mean, have to ah, get back. To I mean, them worst on case that. scenario, they lose Kimbrel and Evaldi. Worst case scenario, they lose Kimbrel and Joe Kelly. I rather. Kind of I don't think that. I, I think losing Evaldi is a hit or miss because I think he's only good with the Red Sox. Mm, I'd rather have Evaldi than Joe Kelly. But anyway, I just did a whole segment. Okay. On okay. This. Continue, continue, okay. Continue. Yeah. Um. So I want to wait before I make that judgment yeah. on like if if the Red Sox go out and trade for Madison Bumgarner, I'll sit here and be like, okay, a Chris Sale, Madison Bumgarner, yeah, I mean, David one, Price. Yeah, they have one more year. Okay, they have one more year. But they, I mean, they have one more year. But anyway, continue. I think the best chance is next mm-hmm. year's Celtics okay. team. And then, of course, I sat here. I'm like, well, the Patriots could literally win at any time. They, I mean, they could win it now. Like, it's, They it's, could it, win it now if, like, it's a like matter I of said, like, I said, it depends. Because I think they could beat the Rams at a neutral field. Yeah, maybe. Like, it's a matter like, But they, I don't think they could beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And I also don't think they could beat, like... The Saints? The Saints. Well, no, I think they could beat this. No, they can't beat the Saints I, because of Alvin Kamara. Because they man. suck against any oh, running God. back that can oh, catch out of the backfield. Oh, Alvin Kamara would eat this team alive. Oh, oh Alvin Kamara on Van Noy. Like, like Todd oh, yeah. Gurley's oh, I good. Can, I can see myself screaming at a Landon Roberts. But, like, Todd Gurley's good, but he's, but he's not, like, an insane... Backfield I mean, he's, he's, a, he's pretty good at. He has like 400 receiving yards. This yes, year. but he's not Alvin no, I know, Kamara I know, I know or Kareem no, like, Hunt. Come on, or, no, like, I'm not afraid of like the power backs. But however, we also made who's that guy from the uh, Jaguars look good. Well, um, TJ Yeldon. No, not Yeldon. The other guy. Yeah, but Corey Grant. Yeah, yeah, but he's a receiver. Cor- but we, he's a receiver. No, no, Corey Grant is a he's receiving a, back. Yeah, and we made him look no, good. No, that's what I'm saying. No, it's like it's like no, it's like when the no, it's, you're right. That's what I'm saying when the. When the page, when we the page, made some no-name running back from see, the Jaguars. But you see, they just can't cover guys. No, exactly. Like, I would. Like, that's what I said. Like when the, like when the Patriots went to play the Jaguars, and like, oh, Leonard Fournette's not playing. I was like, crap. Now the little receiving back's gonna be out there the whole game. Yeah. No. Exactly. I'd rather so, play Fournette. But anyway, continue. But I would sit. So I sat there. I said, my my coin flip here would be between the Reds, the Patriots, and the Celtics. Yeah. Just to the fact that those yeah, seasons like the Celtics, end before the Red Sox. The Celtics are starts. like up up and go. Like the Celtics, the Celtics like they, could potentially win. They are the next team in the, the NBA. The Celtics could potentially win this year if an injury 
sure. gets hit to Clay that's or also Steph. Always there. That's always like if Steph Curry breaks his ankle or get, gets injured again. Yeah, there's I, a chance the of beating a Kevin Durant and a Clay and yeah. the Draymond. No, absolutely. If they lose yes. one of those guys, one of those guys, in my opinion, if they lose Clay or Steph, one of the two, because yeah. Durant's beatable. Um, if proven. they lose Clay, maybe. If they lose Clay, maybe they because they still have two MVPs. Like okay, Steph more likely. Yeah. But if they lose Steph, though, then yeah. Barring an injury for the Warriors, yeah, I don't see the Celtics being able to overcome that. But again, it's possibility. Yeah. And then the Patriots, it's like they're not the best team in the league. But do we want to bet it's against? Good. Like it's just like it's so, Tom Brady like and the Devil going himself, to be in the Bill AFC Belichick. Championship game. They're it go- just depends and then it's just on a matter if they're going to choke it. Well, that's the matter. You just have to win two more games. And, like, yeah. you can, like, beat a better team than you in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Like, you can. And we saw it last year. Exactly. Like it under- exactly. No, but, like, seriously, though. Like, that, like, it can happen. Like, yeah. what? Like if you're there, you're there. But anyway, so we'll move on from the Celtics. Okay, I do want to talk about a little more Patriots stuff. And that is the fact that Josh McDaniels, over the last couple of days, reports have been coming out that he's still interested and being a head coach, it's fa- it's fake news. Eh, I think it's fake news. Well, let me I think I think Josh. Ba- Mc- well, hang on. And that Josh McDaniels, he's been some teams. Teams are still interested in him. And the first reaction of a lot of people to that is just like, oh, well, he abandoned the Colts. Nobody would ever hire him again. And I kind of thought that too at the time. You said that at the time. I did. But the more I think about it, actually, no. I think teams would still be willing to hire him. So, like, it, if you're well, hang on. If you're a team. And you look at Josh McDaniels and you go, which I, I'll put it here, out here. I'm not a big Josh McDaniels guy. I'm not a huge fan of him. I don't get the hype around Josh McDaniels. Well, I get where it comes from, but I don't believe in the hype around Josh McDaniels. But nevertheless, if you're a team and you look at Josh McDaniels and you go, nope, Josh McDaniels is the best guy out there. He's a guy we think will be the best for our team. Say you're the Browns. He's a guy we think will be the best for Baker Mayfield or whoever our young quarterback is or whatever the situation is. We think Josh McDaniels is our best option. Are you then going to go, but we're not going to hire him because he did this shady thing to the Colts last year. So we're going to go with our second best option. Eh. Like, I just think of that, like that, like that logic alone. And there could be a million reasons Cause I don't even buy into the fact that Josh McDaniels is definitely like the heir apparent here. At least I don't want to, I hope that's not the case. Cause I don't really want Josh McDaniels to be the next head coach. Like I said, I'm not a big Josh McDaniels guy. I don't know who else I want it to be, but yeah, I'm not a big Josh McDaniels guy. But still, like, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't just that they offered him a bunch of money and said that you'll be the next guy. Because it, it felt like Belichick has really let Josh McDaniels in on anything else more. Like, has his role felt expanded? Because to me, it hasn't. So, literally, maybe he just looked at that Colts job and went, Ugh, maybe not. I mean, like he just saw Andrew Luck throw the ball, ball once. He was like, "This is a bad idea." I mean, the Colts have the potential of now with their star running back Marlon Mack healthy. They yeah. actually have a running yeah. game, and they have a very favorable schedule yeah. uh, to end the year. And they're in a division that's not really that great. I mean, this is there. Like there are reasons that he could have looked at that job and gone, "You know what? Never mind." So this is how I look at it. those news reports. Yep. I think are from Boston sports uh, writers that are still trying to. Put a wedge between Brady, Belichick, Kraft, McDaniels. Mm -hmm. They're trying to add more narrative to it because Mm -hmm. once the season started, we didn't hear anything. Yeah, well, man. Nothing about a Brady or a Belichick or a Robert Kraft feud. I mean, I still think there's there's something up there. And I think that they're trying to 
just gather drama for Boston for the, the the Patriots. That's what I think it is. Well, I don't think it's drama to say that Josh McDaniels wants to be a head coach again. Like, I, like everybody, like I think that he wants to be a head coach and he will be a head coach in two years. Yeah, I agree. When Robert, when Bill Belichick see, retires, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't. Well, uh, it's tough for me to say that I think Bill Belichick's going to retire because I honestly think that he wants to do this until he literally dies on the field. Well, you see, it was also Rappaport who reported that he's still open to becoming a head coach somewhere. I mean, I don't think. I think any. It's also offensive. Rap- Right. Coordinator, defensive coordinator would be open. And he's to being also a head apparently coach. on the Browns list of candidates, which meh. Well, who wouldn't be on the Browns list of candidates? Well, I mean, that's, that's Hugh a, Jackson's probably on the Browns know what, list though? of candidates. Like, that's not a bad They're job, probably though. like, hey, we're gonna interview again. I just would rather to make sure. I would rather take the Browns now than the Colts last year. I would rather take that team. I mean, the Colts have a better record. I don't care. The Browns have a much better roster, and the Browns have a lot more young talent. And okay, I, fair point. And I can be like, uh, and plus, I mean, McDaniel's loved Baker Mayfield. You also love Mc, uh, Mayfield more than I do. Well, Josh McDaniel's loved Mayfield too. Josh McDaniel's was all over him before the draft. He probably should have gotten. Oh, he got taken number one. Oh yeah, number one. I mean, Josh McDaniel's was all over Baker. That's why there were rumors. The Patriots were really hoping he was going to fall. Well, no, I mean, no, but seriously, like there was there was an argument to be made that people were saying that you know, well, I mean, like, if the Patriots drafted a quarterback. I would definitely buy in more to the fact that McDaniels is like being set up to be the next head coach. If they like drafted like Lamar Jackson or Rosen or somebody. No, but seriously, if they did and it was a somebody who trade for Josh Hill from the uh, types or no, it's Tyson Hill or something like that. But a Hill guy who's who's a running, he's been playing running back, wide receiver, quarterback. It's cute. Go grab him. It's like a high school. But no, like if like you told me that, like if the Patriots did that, I would buy way more and like, oh yeah, like they're like getting the guy for Josh to develop. Well, what if the Josh couldn't get the guy he wanted this year and he sees somebody eh, in the- maybe i mean maybe you're right i'm just saying like i don't have anything to go off of like, like lamar jackson tried out like multiple times for the patriots no you're right and, and they maybe mcdaniels it. just didn't like what he saw i mean reportedly they were high i mean that's fair i'm just saying if they had i'm not saying that like the fact that they didn't like closes the door on that i'm like no wait is the next coach now i'm just saying like that would have given me something but anyway those are those are my mcdaniels thoughts for the day one more thing and well one big thing. Today, Des Bryant, the Des Bryant saga ended. Des Bryant is signed with the Saints. Do we know how much? <sighs> Probably like vet minimum or something. Oh, come on, Pat. Nothing big. But anyway, so Des Bryant signed with the Saints. Not even, not even that. Just the fact that the Saints are out here making moves, trading for guys. The Eli Apple move was huge. That's a good move for them, yeah. Eli Apple was really good as rookie year. It was bomb as rookie year, but they brought on that. And the Saints now, they beat the Rams. I mean, and now people are starting to come out and... At the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, the Saints are the best team in the NFC. Then I kind of got me proven wrong on that a little bit. Now they're kind of, I mean, like, just before we start the discussion, I mean, Josh, Saints, best team in the NFC? I think I just, uh, their defense is iffy because is it magic? Like, yeah, but that's, a, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the first few weeks, they didn't look good. But now they kind of came back into it. Oh, man. Like, just overall. Every team's defense has gotten lit up by somebody. Like, I would say, which is why I'm lenient to take the Rams. I think the Saints might have more talent. I think they might. (laughs) Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara. Dude, come on. Don't even. I might. I might. Don't even. Robert Woods having a breakout year. Brandon Cooks. Mm, Michael Thomas is one of the best receivers in the game right now. Yes, correct. Marshawn Julio's La- the best receiver in the league. And he's chilling on a 5-4 Marshawn, team. Ma- Marshawn Lattimore. I don't know. I think they're comparable uh, teams. And they have the edge at quarterback. Okay, that's fair. And in terms of, like, playoff experience, 
which is why I'm. I don't want to take playoff experience and oh, do it. I will. No, I. You won't. have to. How no. can you not? Because it's the no, regular if, season. If we're not taking playoff experience, and the fact that I, I think the Patriots are like the sixth best team in the AFC. If I'm just looking at their roster, I have to factor that in. I'm just looking at the roster. Like the Rams have, like they have so much talent. They have so much. But talent. so do the Saints. They have talent on at every position. So do the Saints. No, all like talent, like to fill the entire like depth chart. So do the Saints. So uh, when you really look at who's it, who's on their uh, offensive line? That's Ramzik. Ram- who the Patriots could have had, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, a linebacker for uh, they do have good linebacker. I don't remember the names, but that's the thing. Like they're no no well known names. I mean, like, Moshe Lattimore was dirty last year. That's not a linebacker. I know, but still, he was dirty. I, was really like I still think the Rams are a better overall oh, team. Okay, you want? I mean, a lot, but it would be a great. I think that's our. That was my uh, NFC. Uh, that was my NFC uh, championship prediction, yes. and I did have well, the think Rams. Think about this way: the Rams basically lost two games in a row. Like they should have lost against the Packers, but then Ty Montgomery was just an idiot. Like they they should have lost that game. It's just Ty Montgomery just. But again, I'm not gonna blame a team for getting lit up by Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm just saying, but they still have like, lost <laughs> two in a row. Well, the Patriots didn't get lit up by Aaron Rodgers, but anyway, to bring it on to the Saints, because I've been looking at the way the Saints have been running their team. The last year or so, they need to have more, they need to have Ingram run the ball more. But no, he is no thanks. But here's the thing: I th- the Saints have seemingly really been managing this having a quarterback approaching forty thing a lot better than it feels like the Patriots have. It really feels like that, and maybe a part of that's just been drafting. Because remember, remember two years ago the Saints were dead in the water. And then last season they had, oh my god, the Saints draft last year was incredible. For one thing, you brought, you know, you brought in Lattimore, Ramzik, Alvin Kamara, Marcus Williams. Like those, like two, like two of those guys are probably like in the top are in the top five for their position. Ramzik's been on like some like, you know, mid-season all pro list. Cause like, you know, I don't I don't spend my time looking at like what old linemen are doing really good. So I'm subject to believing basically other people telling me that old linemen are good. Because I don't have the time. But still, like, in the Saints, they've made some trades. They traded for Davenport. They traded up to draft Davenport. Not that he's been great, but I think that was kind of a weird move. But they still they traded up to get a guy to help their defense now. They traded for Eli Apple. They traded for Bridgewater, which is odd. But still, like, to have a good backup quarterback who's not Brian Hoyer... Like, it feels like the Saints are going all in on Drew Brees. And the Patriots kind of aren't. And once again, that's kind of a product of drafting. Because I've been very critical of Belichick's drafting over the last couple of years. Granted, their offensive line probably would be a little bit better right now with Wynn. Sure. And... But he's not here. Well, the O-line... But they didn't even need him. Because the O-line's... The interior interior of the O-line is great. That's like, a, you're like, we got a good player. Take him. Oh, you're taking offensive line. Okay. No. All right. Well, there's a great cornerback. Oh, oh, we're God, taking a running back. back. Exactly. And none of those guys are playing. The Patriots don't have one. The Patriots for the last two weeks have not had one player they drafted play. Think about that. Think about that. The Patriots for the last couple of years, and Josh Burr stepping up, but the Patriots for the last couple of years have not had a single Last couple of weeks, not a single player they drafted play. 
And meanwhile, you have the Saints, who seemingly, obviously Drew Brees is retiring soon. Obviously Brady's retiring soon. The Saints are going, seemingly kind of going all in on that a lot more than the Patriots. And the Saints have not had the consistent success, but yeah, like, it's not like the Patriots have... If the Patriots had Garoppolo, I'd understand them not going all in a little more. At least you have the future. But right now, the Patriots, they don't have the future of their franchise. They don't. And so Brady's it. They should be going all in on Brady. And they're not. And meanwhile, the Saints are. So, and they're looking like they might be the best team in the league right now. And, oh my God, what a Brady. What a Brady-Breeze Super Bowl be. Incredible. But, yeah. I mean, that's just how I look at that, and I think it's something to look at. I think the Saints deserve a lot of credit for the way they've handled things last year. And, yeah, like, I mean, the Patriots got to look at trying to do something like that. And that's all the time we have here today. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Thank you for Kenny Doyle for joining me earlier today over the phone. Thank you for Josh Percy for coming and sitting in with me for the last hour here. Don't forget, this is the WXIN Radio Thon, so please stay tuned. We'll be going for 20, we'll be going up until noon tomorrow here, taking donations at 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787 or at www.projectsafepet.com. Call in, donate, and give money to these people to try and help the dogs and the cats of the world. We know you people love animals out there, so yeah, please try to help them out. Anyway, though, we will be back next week, 4 to 6 p.m., right here on 90.7 WXIN, talking about whatever's going on and all that. We will see you guys uh, next time.